0: We're going to have the Bible reading now, uh, and we're looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 1 from verse 1 to 11. It's going to be on the screen. If you've got your Bibles there, though, I'll give you a chance to open that. But we'll pick it up from verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again, what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them.
1: Morning, everyone. My name's Ryan, if we haven't met, and um, you might be thinking, why is such a gloomy passage? After Christmas, end of a year, beginning of a new one, we'll find out why as we jump in and listen to what God has to tell us uh, through this wise preacher from Ecclesiastes. So before we jump in, let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book of Ecclesiastes. that it helps us see how things really are, and particularly how things really are between you and us. We pray that, Lord, you would give us the grace to, to strengthen our hearts and our mind and our bodies this morning to hear you, that we might, Lord, come away knowing who you are in your son Jesus a little bit more clearly and who uh, we are in him as well. Let we just pray this in, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, like Ben said, thank God that it is the last Sunday of 2020. As I've been thinking about that, uh, and as I've said it out loud a couple of times, I don't know about you, but a, a feeling of kind of relief kind of floods in like, yeah, this year it's done. Or it's almost done. It's a feeling of being unburdened by what has been a burdensome year. What about you? How, as you think those words in your mind, or even if you were to say them out loud, how do you feel? How does it make you feel? This is the last Sunday of 2020. 2020. It almost makes me even want to say, oh, it's been one of those years, hasn't it? It's been one of those years. But it it has and it hasn't, because 2020, well, really, it has not been one of those years because in many ways, 2020 has been a very unique year for all of us, unless you've lived through a global pandemic before. But in many ways, that feeling of relief, of being unburdened, Well, it's not a unique feeling at this time of year. Now, let's just reflect on Christmas. All that time and effort, blood, sweat and tears, going into preparing meals, cleaning the house, money spent on people's gifts, all that effort... That you put into make sure that you got the presence that you wanted. All that effort to just get a piece of some genuine joy and value out of the end of the year before the new one begins. And yet we can sit here after all of that effort, all that toil and all that labor. And it feels as though a genuine sense of joy can, can slip through our fingers. It eludes us. And that's just the last couple of weeks or few days. Perhaps even in light of the year that 2020 has been, even some of those, those gains and those wins that we've had, we still have that lingering sense that something about that genuine joy eludes us. 2020 mostly, most definitely makes us feel that even more because of the unique year that it has been. It kind of heightens that sense of what was gained this year. Well, we're not alone in that feeling because the voice behind Ecclesiastes, this wise preacher, King Solomon, his voice has that, that same feeling to it. And he's able to put it in words for us in the opening uh, verses of Ecclesiastes. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. And what are those words? Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. <clears throat> now, it's not as... As dark as those words might sound, because the word "meaningless" or "vanity" it really means uh, it's describing this idea of chasing the wind, of trying to how trying to capture something that kind of slips through your fingers. It's how misadventures, how breath kind of goes in and out, like Sam talked to us before Christmas from chapter three in Ecclesiastes. It's that sense of elusiveness captures that moment and experience when when things just somehow slip through your fingers. And how annoying is that feeling? No wonder after a year of that, that we would be thinking, thank God, genuinely, thank you God, that that is over. But the wise preacher of Ecclesiastes, he He puts that into words for us in the form of a question. He he asks, what do people gain from all the toil and labours to which they toil under the sun? Again and again throughout Ecclesiastes, this this question, this feeling is on his mind as he asks again and again, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving for which they labour under the sun? What do workers gain from their toil? What do they gain since they toil for the wind? Or in other words, as we sit here on the last Sunday of 2020, what have we gained after a whole year? Why is it that when it comes to this time of the year, we can sit here... And feel genuinely relieved and unburdened, perhaps, but yet joy seems to slip through our fingers. And this question is at the heart of the book of Ecclesiastes and the wise preacher is going to help us discover why. First, by helping us see why it eludes us and then where we can actually find a peace, or not just a peace, but to be filled with a genuine sense of value and joy. And so, to discover why joy eludes us, the wise preacher introduces us to this idea, which is not new, it's the idea of gain. Gain. <clears throat> gain is the, uh, the idea of uh, getting or producing a profit. In light of all the costs, in light of all the expenses, in light of all the output, the end is better off. After all is said and done, something more is produced. But gain also has this other sense in, in that it's something that we produce. It's all of our effort, all of our sacrifice. Gain is something you've earned or deserved. On Christmas Eve on our way, on the way to church, I think it was. Maybe it was Christmas Day. No, definitely not Christmas Day. Christmas Eve, we're going, we're going somewhere, and we're driving past the Glen, just down the road here, and across the road from the Glen, I don't know if you've ever noticed, there's a, a meat truck. Anyways, on Christmas Eve, they must have been selling seafood because the lineup for that was just down the road. And, it, you know, I was going, man, look at that line as we pass, and Sarah goes, yeah, our our neighbours, well they went down to the Gold Coast the other day to get some fresh seafood and the line was so massive that they missed out. And even before she could even finish the story, what came into mind was, Oh what a waste. What a waste of time. Driving all that way, all that time, all that effort to get some fresh seafood. And you came up empty handed, what a waste. Often we can think of gain in terms of the the financial areas of life, but it's true that that gain really does kind of just slip into any area of life. For better or for worse, we can apply this idea of gain. If I just put more effort and time into this, then I will get something better or more in the end. And so the general idea stays the same. Getting more out of what you put in, that's gain. Anything else is loss. But Ecclesiastes, this wise preacher in Ecclesiastes, well, he's not talking about gaining seafood, is he? He's not talking about gaining finances. So what kind of gain is this wise preacher from Ecclesiastes talking about? He's describing this The gain of a genuine joy, of joy that comes from a life that is of value, is of worth, a life that matters and is meaningful, significant. The kind of gain Ecclesiastes is focused on is our effort to gain a sense of value and meaning that will bring us a genuine sense of joy. But think about all our toils and labour to gain it, observing all the ways that you know, we seek to gain this genuine sense of value and joy through the, the pleasures, he says, through the knowledge, through the work, through the money, through being good, through power, Trying it all, the wise preacher says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labors. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled, uh, toiled to achieve, the only thing the preacher can say again and again and again Just striving after wind. What an unhappy business it is. Not a joyful one. Unhappy. Gaining genuine sense of of joy and value is like chasing the wind, he says. It slips through our fingers. It's elusive. And we're, we're left burnt, stressed out. Miserable, <clears throat> unhappy, grieved, hurt, busy, and so no wonder when we can kind of come to the end of the year that we can feel this sense of relief. The weight comes off for a moment. No wonder we kind of that genuine sense of joy and value eludes us. But remember, the wise preacher wants us to discover why joy eludes us, so that he'll help us see and discover where this genuine joy can be found. So where is it that this joy and value is found? Well, each time the preacher raises this idea of gain and how it fails to bring us that joy and value, he says that actually joy and value we seek in life are actually gifts. He shows us that a genuine value, personal value of significance of meaning and the joy that that produces isn't something that you can gain because it's something that is given. And so throughout Ecclesiastes, the wise preacher tells us genuine personal value and joy is a gift. And we see this lots of times, but I'll highlight two of the passages on the screen for us And as you look up there, I've highlighted the main words or the repeated words or the ideas that have come up again and again and again. And what is it? Gift. Not gain. Gift. And so when we come to Ecclesiastes, it's like coming well, taking us back to when we learned perhaps how to to learn the English language which if you're like me you probably didn't learn it very well but anyways something I did remember was that when you're learning to spell particularly using vowels I comes before E and the thing though is if you apply that to every word that you spell you're probably going to get it wrong some of the time because I comes before E except after C. There's always an exception to the rule. There's always exceptions. And so the wise preacher, he isn't trying to teach us how to spell well or correctly. No, he's trying to teach us how to live well, how to live right in the world that God has made And what does he say? You can't apply gain to finding value and joy. It doesn't work. You can keep trying to apply gain again and again to find joy and value, but you'll come up with it slipping through your fingers every time. It doesn't work like that. And that's because the gift of that genuine sense of personal value and meaning of significance must be given to us by somebody else. That's the nature of a gift, isn't it? A gift is something given to you from somebody else. We experience joy because someone else values us. We experience joy because we are meaningful to someone else. We experience joy because we matter to someone else. Because value and joy, well, they are gifts given from others to us. We know that when uh, we know that what gives us a deep sense of joy is when we are valued and meaningful, and when we matter to somebody. Even more deeper is that joy is when we know that we are valued and we matter and we're significant, not because of anything that we do, but simply because of our being. And this isn't something we can gain. We can't force that from anybody. That truly is freely given. But did you notice who it is that the preacher says gives us this gift? Who is the giver of the gift? Who is it that needs to hold this gift out to us? Who is it that we need to be in relationship with? Well, the wise preacher says, as we look again at those two verses, for without him, who can find joy? Without who? God. God keeps our hearts full with gladness. The genuine value and joy we are seeking is found in in the gracious gift that God holds out to us in a relationship with him. After all, we're told in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 that reminds us that we were made this way. We were created this way to find value and joy in our connection and our relationship with God. He says God put eternity into the hearts of men. In the very end of the book, in chapter Chapter 12, the the wise preacher again reminds us to remember our creator. To remember what it means to be in relationship with him. And so the wise preacher was able to see this. That any genuine gain of personal value and and the joy that comes with that isn't something that can be gained. And if you do, it will only lead to unhappiness as it keeps slipping through our fingers. But this isn't the last time in the Bible that we hear a voice like this wise preacher from Ecclesiastes. Although his voice leaves us here, we hear another similar voice later on. And he too reminds us of hard stuff. He says, or what he says fills his disciples' hearts with sorrow. He reminds us that unhappiness and suffering are a part of life. But he says joy is to be found and and that our our sorrow will be turned into joy. He does say, like the wise preacher, that 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 genuine sense of personal value and joy is found only from the gift of being in a relationship with God. But what makes this wise preacher perhaps the greater wise preacher is that he is the Son of God. Jesus. And that we're told in in John chapter 1 in the opening verses that, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor human decision, or a will or husband's will, but born of God. And he goes on to say, no one has ever seen God, but but the one and only Son who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus is this this greater, wise preacher. But he doesn't just say, consider what I am saying. But he says, actually he would demand from us that we would come to him. He says, come and know God. Come to me and receive genuine value and joy. Because to receive Jesus is the same thing as receiving that relationship with God. To receive Jesus is to become a child of God. And to be a child of God means that we share in the closest relationship anyone has ever had with God. It is there that we receive genuine value and joy. And we're reminded that... This isn't something you can gain. This isn't something that you can produce with all your willpower, with all your effort. The wise preacher Jesus tells us that the elusiveness of that genuine value and joy is because we keep trying to gain it. But God never intended us to gain it He intended to give it. It would be wrong though for us at this moment to think that Ecclesiastes and Jesus are saying that we don't get any value and joy from our relationship with others, from our relationship with one another, and we could say with our relationship with the rest of creation, because as we think on our experience of people, as we we experience someone you know, value us enough to ask us how we are really going. Does it give you a sense of joy when we, we experience that we are meaningful to somebody because they go out of their way to be with us? We do feel a sense of joy when we experience that we, are, we matter enough that someone would just waste their time to be with us. We've experienced joy. And that is no small thing. That is, ex- that is significant. That we would have that from one another. Maybe you've experienced that over Christmas. But how much more significant would it be? How much more valuable, meaningful, how much would we matter if we mattered, were meaningful and valuable to God? If in his eyes we are valuable, in his eyes we're meaningful, in his eyes that we matter, If we can matter to God, then maybe we actually really do matter and we really are valuable. And if God values us, if we are something to him, if we matter enough to him, if we matter enough for him to to come and and lay his life down on the cross that we might enjoy a relationship with him, then we really must be valuable and matter and meaningful. After all, isn't that what, what Christmas is all about? To remember the gift of relationship with God, celebrating god 's gift to us, and yet perhaps did we miss it because we 're trying to gain it, and we need to remember that even with Jesus, this gift is not something that we can gain, something we can earn by all our efforts. it is a gift Jesus and the wise preacher of Ecclesiastes, is by no means thinks that we are lovely or deserving. but This is where genuine, a genuine sense of person, of value and joy is found. It's the result of, of being valuable to him. So, how will you end 2020? Seeking to gain joy? Or will you end 2020 receiving joy from God? Will you enter the new year, 2021, in the unhappy business of seeking to gain, seeking to continue to labour and toil for that sense of personal value and the joy that it brings? Or will you enter 2021 with a God who keeps you in his heart and who keeps your heart filled with joy? Because please hear the wise preacher Jesus when he says that if you seek gain, you will live your life seeking a value and a joy that will elude you. But God's heart His intentions for us, His desire for us is to enjoy life by enjoying Him. So, so then, how can we actually then finish the rest of the year enjoying the gift that God has given to us and how can we perhaps start the new year enjoying God as well? So three things that Ecclesiastes and Jesus uh, teach us about how we can enjoy our relationship with God. Three things, enjoying, enjoying God, enjoying one another, and enjoying uh, creation, enjoying God. Jesus took time to, to be with his heavenly Father, to listen to him, to speak to him, and Jesus did genuinely enjoy his relationship with God. You can't look at Jesus and go, that guy was just, he just lived a life of relief and being a sense of unburdened at, each, at the end of each year. No way. Jesus lived a life of joy because he shared the closest relationship with the Father. And so we too, in our relationship with Jesus, share that closest relationship with him. Jesus lived with the, at the forefront of his mind with these words that his, his Father spoke, you are my beloved son, on you my favour rests. In you I am well pleased. And when we belong to Jesus, that is true of us as well. And so taking time just to be with the God who delights in us by listening to him and speaking to him by being in our Bibles and speaking to him in prayer. Until that, that truth is at the forefront of our minds, until that truth that we are God's beloved children, reverberates in every area of our life. But this life, with that at the forefront of Jesus' mind, enabled him to to not seek love, but to be able to give love. He enjoyed the company of children. He enjoyed and he loved his friends. He loved uh, the women who took care of him in his life. He loved his mum. He took care of his mum as I was thinking about this, this the, the prayer a prayer of a, a very old Christian, St. Francis of Assisi, I feel I like captured this for me when he prays, Lord, make me an instrument of thy love. Where there is hate, let me sow peace. <clears throat> Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. St. Francis knew that he could love and console, be an instrument in God's hands because he knew that he was taken care of. Maybe we can make that prayer, the prayer that we pray for, for the relationship that God has put us in, that we would be an instrument of thy peace as he prays. To love, rather than seek to gain love. The final thing is, Ecclesiastes often refers to God's creation and how God intended for us to enjoy it. We see this in the life of Jesus, don't we? This guy took walks everywhere. He was out in creation. He took long walks up mountains, into gardens, by the lake. We can and should enjoy the world that God has made and whatever it is that you enjoy in God's creation. Maybe it's the ocean. Maybe it's going on a bushwalk, I don't know. Painting. <coughs> God has given us this to fill our lives with grace, value and joy. So the, the, couple of, the question is, what has God given you that fills you with a genuine sense of value and joy? What is it that God has put in your life, in the world, that gives you that genuine sense of yes, this is good, Because the wise preacher says, Do this with all your might. Remember the wise, the greater wise preacher, Jesus. He says, There's joy to be had, a joy that will never be taken from you. The wise preacher of Ecclesiastes says, God keeps our hearts filled with joy. But it's a gift. It's a gift to be enjoyed. So let's value that gift for the rest of 2020 and let's kick off a new year valuing the gift that is ours in Jesus. We're valued, we're meaningful, we matter to him. And this is where our genuine joy is found. Let me pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you that... (coughs) You have made us in the world to be enjoyed. To be a place where we enjoy not just creation and one another, but you. And that this was something that you didn't expect for us to have to gain. Father, it is such a relief to know that we don't have to gain it, but just to enjoy being with you. We pray that you would help us do that. Father, we pray that we would enjoy time just with you, listening to you, speaking with you. We pray that that time would, Lord, really do give us that genuine sense of value and joy that we might be able to enjoy those you've placed in our life. That we might not seek to use them to gain but to give them the gift that you've given us. That they might feel valued and loved. And Father, we pray that we would enjoy the world that you've given us around us. And that that might remind us of how good you are. We pray that